Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and our favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Go to SeatGeek.com slash BS to start using SeatGeek. And don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app and our promo code BS. SeatGeek sends you $20 upon your first purchase. You should do this. Opening day is coming up. Lots of baseball tickets on SeatGeek. Today's Bill Simmons Podcast episode brought to you by Simply Safe. Oh yeah, we've talked about them on here. They'll give you 24-7 award-winning protection for just $14.99 a month with no contracts or hidden fees. Start a cancel service when it works for you. Protect your house, protect your apartment, protect your condo. Studies show that security systems deter burglars at a rate of 90%. For home security you can trust, go to simplysafebill.com and save 10%. And today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by The Ringer. My new website slash digital venture that launches this summer, you can subscribe to our new newsletter at theringer.com. The early responses have been really good. All right, before we get to the David Duchovny podcast, we actually taped that last Friday, and we taped it because we were trying out some stuff for the HBO show I'm working on, and one of the things we wanted to try was just a really loose podcast, but actually then use the podcast for the BS podcast. So we taped it. Uh, on Friday, and then uh, six days later, Gary Shanley dies. And you're going to listen to the podcast, and we actually talk about him, and we talk about Larry Sanders, the show. Um, we talk about how Duchovny ended up on that show, and it, it's just bizarre that this happened and really sad. Uh, he was one of, the, one of the comedy icons for me. And just a quick story just about how influential that show was. HBO, I think for the first, I don't know, I, I think I got HBO like 1979 or 1980. We got the, at the time, you just got this little box on the top of your TV. I was living with my dad in Brookline. They put the box on top of the TV and you could turn it on or off and then HBO would just take over your TV basically. And we got it for the boxing and we got it because they had movies. And then eventually cable starts in 1982. So HBO has been in my life really since I was 10. And they always were good at movies and they were always good at boxing and they were always really good at comedy specials. The, the whole scripted thing, it took them a while to get. And if you look at the 1980s, you know, first and 10, uh, the hitchhiker, which, which was great for nudity. That's about it. Although I did like the theme song, uh, dream on started in 1990. Like they, they never really figured out the scripted thing. Larry, Larry Sanders started in 1992 Shandling was somebody that, um, you know, people always thought was going to have a late night show. He was somebody that subbed for Carson a lot. He was, he would always kill when he was on talk shows. He had a, a really good, uh, show called it's Gary Shandling show. I, I think that's what the title was. That was on Showtime and it kind of broke the, it broke the third wall and did all kinds of stuff, but it was, it was raw. Like it wasn't the great show he was going to make. And at some point I think people thought he was going to host a late night show. And instead, what he did was created his own TV show, which was about somebody who hosted a late night show. And if you watch it, it's it's really it's hard to find. Like they have all the DVDs now, but um, I think there's been some legal issues. Like it's not on HBO now. It's one of the only iconic HBO shows that you can't get on HBO now. Uh, I'm not sure it's on any streaming service. But if you watch the first couple seasons, the pieces hadn't fallen into place yet with the show totally. But the characters were great. The premise was great. It's really good. I mean, it was by far the best show HBO had had just for scripted. Um, but as it went on, it really turned into something special. And 
you know, Judd Apatow is behind the scenes and, and I think Hank Kingsley, which was played by Jeffrey Tambor, who's had a, who's had a lot of success since the show. Rip Torn, who peaked on that show and was phenomenal. Uh, Ginny Garofalo was on there, Wallace Lang, I'm a whole bunch of great people. But the last couple seasons of that show, in my opinion, were the first really event scripted programming HBO ever had. And, you know, especially the last couple years, and we talk about this on the company bot, so I'm going to I'm gonna go over this again, but, you know, we, we get together to watch these shows. You get together with your friends. It was by far the most clever and sophisticated and smart show that was on TV. It was just the best. It wasn't even close. So it, I don't, I, I guess maybe you compare it to, I've just, I don't think you compare it to anything now, actually. It just was clearly the best. It was competing against mostly network shows and the NBC lineup and Friends. And Seinfeld was great, but Seinfeld was starting to peter out around 90, 96, 97. Sanders could take more chances. Sanders could uh, really push the envelope. It it turned the tables on celebrities that have celebrities coming on and playing themselves, but, um, but and sometimes making fun of themselves. Like there was a famous... Uh, scene when uh, Norm Macdonald gets into it with Henry Winkler on the couch. Uh, it just had so many great moments. And for somebody like me living in Boston, living in Charlestown, who always had been fascinated by L.A. and all these people, it, it I just loved it. I couldn't wait for it to come on. I was living with my roommate at the time and all the people I was working with at this bar restaurant we had. We'd get together on Sunday nights and watch the show. And uh, I'd I remember there was one season finale. We must have had 25 people. Somebody was talking. There was almost a fight. I mean, it was crazy. And people didn't get together like that for HBO shows. This was the first one. And then you had Oz. Then you had Sex in the City. And then finally the, the Sopranos. And that's, that's really when HBO became, um, you know, the Harvard of, of television, basically. But uh, I just thought it's one of the great shows ever. It's certainly one of the most influential shows for me, just as a creative person, um, I've watched so I've watched them so many different times, and uh, and I actually got to meet Shanling and spend some time with them at this boxing. Uh, I forget what what card it was, but Pete Berg invited me, and he was there, and got to spend six seven hours with him, and I just couldn't stop talking to him about the show, and he loved it, and just loved talking about it, and loved. Um, hearing my thoughts and arguing about characters and things they should have done. And he just couldn't get enough of it. And I think after he had that show, I don't think he ever really re recovered from having it. He, even when you see like the DVD where he had, uh, he went and he interviewed all these different celebrities that had been on the show. And that was these bonus bonus footage that he had in the DVD. He just loved talking about the show. And, um, you know, it's weird. I always think when people die, especially when, when, you know, they haven't been, maybe they don't feel like they're appreciated or whatever. And actually when you die, especially somebody like him or Robin Williams, you see it time and time again, David Bowie, and it becomes this three day, just love fest and people talking about how great they were and everybody writing these awesome pieces. And it always seems unfair that the person that died didn't get to read those pieces. I, I don't know if he's number one, but I think Shanling would have enjoyed the three-day tributes and the and the essays and just everything. I think he would have enjoyed that the most of anybody. So we we talk about him on this podcast, and I, we decided to leave it in just because, A, a it's interesting, and B, it just kind of shows you um, 
kind of how short life is. Cause six days ago we were talking about the guy, you know, like he's here and, and there you go. So anyway, here, RIP Gary Shandling, uh, a true great, Actually, I'm I'm not about to cry. I just I actually need water. My Tate, I, I don't mean to make you embarrassed. <laughs> my, actually, my my uh, my voice is scratchy, but I am really gonna miss this guy. And I was I was really hoping that he had one more great creative thing lurking somewhere, but we'll never know. Anyway, R.I.P. Gary Shandling, and uh, and here's the Duchovny podcast as promised. Yeah. Clear enough for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> did they ever play Tupac in the X Files in the nineties or no? Did they play? No, I I played Tupac. You in my did car. In, the, in your trailer? In my car, uh, but not no. I would uh, like California. That song, No Side of Party. That one. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That was big for me. David Duchovny. Yeah. St- uh, TV star, movie mm. star, author. Author. Bucky fucking dead. Yeah, we can, yeah, we say can it. swear we on can the podcast. It. It's not ESPN anymore. It's a new home it, for me. It was a big deal with, uh, you know, the the title of the book is on the book, so it, you, we couldn't put fucking. Uh, we had to put an asterisk, and it was a big big con- controversy about whether we should use the ampersand or the the and or the you know. Oh, there was like, an asterisk <laughs> controversy. Yeah, there was an asterisk <laughs> controversy. Yeah, but it is Bucky fucking dead. Well, I remember at some point when I was. Uh, at my former employer, yeah, we talked about a possible movie. Yeah, it was back you, in the days when ESPN was still yeah, making you were, movies you were, and you stuff. You were very helpful about that. You were trying. You were. I tried. I, you did, and I appreciate that. Well, because I hated Bucky Dent, so I really wanted a, a movie that was called Bucky Fucking Dent. Yeah. It was really excited me. I well, wanted the poster in my house, the whole thing. It, it came. It came to me because uh, I'm from New York, unlike you, and I just know him as. I Buck- know you're from New York. I was I trying not to bring that up. And I'm just. I just know Bucky Dent. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, has has a family house in Massachusetts, and it says this in the book in the acknowledgments. But that one day I was just hanging out outside the house, and there were two guys working on the roof, and I just heard one say what sounded like Bucky fucking Dent, you know. And I was just like, well, just what? years and years later, yeah, I was like, what what the hell is that? And then I asked about it, and it's like you can't. He is not known as Bucky Dent in New England. He's no. only known as Bucky fucking Dent and Bill no. fucking Buckner. Yeah. It, what's weird is 2004, I think, softened a lot of that, but I still, you know. I you mean, the 78 playoff game made me cry. I was nine years old. I, I literally cried. Tears came out of my eyes. Well, I had to be consoled. <laughs> it was terrible. Who consoled you? My dad. What did he say? We're, we're going to win one in 30 years? Is that what he said? No, it was more not knowing what to say. I don't think you ever know what to say when your kids are crying, other than you just kind of rub their back and and you hope they stop because they're half you and it feels like you're having this yeah, out of well, body true. experience. Your and, kid's and, in pain. You can't stop and you it. Don't, well, he, you don't have the answer. I mean, the answer is you lose sometimes. Well, the 78 playoff yeah. game, we blew like a 14-game lead over the course of seven, eight weeks. It's all in there. Yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll read all about it. And then we rallied back. Nobody remembers the yes, rally back. I, when I was researching the book, I was surprised. that the, I think they won their last six games. Yeah, we had... We had so. And everything led to the Monday playoff game. And what happened was everyone stayed home from school. That's right. Yeah. Which, you know, was almost like a, like a holiday or like a right. like an assassination. or like, There's right. very <laughs> few events that would just everybody would agree, yeah, we're not going to school today. Right. And we all stayed home. And the game was at, I think, like 4 o'clock or 3 it o'clock. It ended something at like 522. Yeah, yeah, so it was early, early afternoon. 2.30, yeah. Yeah, and the shadows started coming late. But yes. yeah, everybody was home. Yeah. 
And uh, and then Yaz came up, mm-hmm. and I wrote about this in my Red Sox book. Like Yaz was the 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 window to the tortured soul of Red Sox fans. He's like this chain smoking Polish right. guy who just he was on all these From teams the and just came very close but not quite and right. just was wearing the And he'd already orders. hit a home run that, that day, hadn't he? Who did? Yeah, he hit a home run early. Earlier. Yeah. So then he comes up, the shadows, guy on third base, two outs, Gossage, he's throwing yes. 130 miles an hour. Yeah. And uh, and he just kind of check swings. Pipe. Yeah. It was so unsatisfying. I just would have rather he struck out. Did he foul out to Nettles? Yeah. Yeah, There's cause... nothing worse than a game ending on a foul pop. I'd rather have like the batter get hit in the head and die, <laughs> and then just then for the, the game, the game man, than over a foul pop. Arrow? Yeah. So um, I think it was a uh, it was one of those guys that does a lot of memorabilia stuff for the Yankees. John Stone or Johnston? Dave? Jay Johnstone? Is it Jay Johnstone? The former clown prince of baseball. Yes. You know how that happens when no. somebody's like <laughs> tiny bit funny, but they become a clown prince. <laughs> Well, it happened to Ron Jeremy in porn, didn't it? Yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Same he was funny of, for different Same reasons. kind of designation. Yeah. So uh, I was I saw Jay Johnson at some thing somewhere, and he told me about that pitch. And he said that Nettles was at third pounding his glove and, and saying, pop him up, Goose, pop him up, pop him up. Right. And the ball goes up, and it's coming towards Nettles, and Nettles goes, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he probably knew the lefty batter, the right. ready, the the check. Right. It's going if he's late. It's going he'd, that way. He'd pop him up. It really hurt. It hurt my feelings. Yeah. And then '86 hurt my feelings. Then 2003, the Boone homer, which kind of has been lost in history because the Red Sox won a year later. But that was really the darkest moment. Just thinking it was never going to happen, and I was just going to live my whole life, and then I was going to die. And now you got too many of them. Now, now, now I can't even don't, keep track. Don't I, you, we went three? We went don't four, you miss feeling? No. Oh, you don't? No. I, I see, it's my theory now. that Sox fans actually miss their status as a perennial whatever it was. I don't know if it's a missing, or but it definitely doesn't feel like life or death anymore. See, it took something away from you winning. There's yeah. a lesson there for your I kids. I would compare it to if, if you were a virgin unintentionally through your 40s and 50s. <laughs> Right. And then it happened and it was like even better than you thought it was. Right. But you don't remember like the fourth time you lost your virginity. Well, it's not a possibility, is it? Right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but like nobody remembers the fourth time I had sex. (laughs) I remember remember the the fourth time time you had sex. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But uh, yeah. So I I think it doesn't, the, the stakes aren't the same. But I also I would I I don't regret a thing. It's so much right. better to have the peace. The worst thing about being a Red Sox fan during that whole time was there them was torturing missing. us with the footage. Yeah. So like things would be going well, and then they come out of commercial. And Joe Buck would be like, "Hey, in case you forgot, the right. Red Sox fans have been fucked for the last eighty years, and here's right. a montage. Right. Here's Bill Buckner, the ball going through his leg, and it's just, you knew it was coming. Yeah. It's always Fisk. It was the same beats and yeah. the same networks playing it the same way over yeah. and over and over again. And it yeah. was like enough already. Can we yeah. just win? I want this to end. Yeah. Now the Yankee fans are in that situation because in the twenty first century. They've only won one title, which was totally tainted by A Rod and, and all, of his, all of his cheating. I feel like it's tainted. Don't make me go to I the Sox like roster that won in 2004. Oh, don't, don't, not, make, don't make me. Never broke a law. Never never <laughs> suspended. Nobody's suspended on the Red Sox. Ortiz no? looks strange to He's me. He's looked the same for 20 years. He looks like Florida got from a lot good better, times with muscle. Very, he got a lot better quickly at some point in his career. 
he got a lot better when he when he came to the Red Sox. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, oh I yeah. See. I see. He, he needed some <laughs> East Coast love. He finally felt home. And who was on the Red Sox at that time? I a lot of suspects. <laughs> <laughs> My thing is, and I think everyone was cheating. But like, prove to me you're not cheating from 1990 to 2005. I think they should drop it. They should just drop the whole thing. Did you have to do ever do uh, PDs or anything for a movie? No. You ever have to jack up? No, but I think I think like people that work drunk should should they give you know because alcohol calms your nerves and acting is often about controlling your nerves that's a ped right so should they give should all those actors give their awards back for 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 being drunk while they're working that's a lot of actors that's right so that's a lot of actors. i just say you know the, the to me the question the serious question is with with kids like kids should not be doing these drugs before their bodies are are formed right that's really the question yeah we unanimously agree on that right i think in america right. <laughs> it's one of the things we agree <laughs> giving, on giving giving that totally grown yet kids drugs <laughs> we're all we're on alignment even trump agrees even trump so yeah. so to me it's it's like if you decide to be a professional athlete then you can decide to manipulate manipulate your body the way you want to you're an adult painkillers well you know all these guys on 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 they're on great training regimens they're on great vitamin regimens who knows whether it's good for you or not personally i would either go allow everything or make everything illegal because the other part of me watches these athletes get bigger and stronger yeah and more superhuman every year and i have trouble honestly relating to what they're doing on the field now it used to be and I'm delusional, yes. But it used to Me be, too. I used to sit there and go, hey, maybe I could get out there and pinch hit. No, no, right. I would. Or maybe I could throw up a three. Right. I don't feel that way anymore. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, with training and, and with with drugs and stuff that they're doing. So uh, I, I, I'm all for bringing sports down to the human scale. I, I don't, and I'll probably, you might disagree, and I think a lot of people would, but I'd, I'd rather watch a game in which I felt like it was relatable physically than unrelatable, than, than watching like a, an Avenger movie or something. Don't you feel like that's why people that have enjoyed... Weird? No, I don't think it's weird at all. I think that's why people have enjoyed Steph Curry so much. Oh, probably. Because that's a he's good point, the most yeah. relatable star that we've had really right. since Bird. Bird was the last guy everybody was like, yeah, that's a tall, goofy, white guy that doesn't run that fast. I, right. I kind of feel like he's the best possible version of people I've played with. Right. And right. Curry is doing these things. We well, don't have to be tainted with racism for liking Curry either, no. which is good. Well, Curry transcends all races. No, he does. He's the he first does. perfect human being. <laughs> and he's a perfect color. He brings all countries together. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. he's you In central casting, you could You love Steph, that. huh? I do. I you know what I really like. I never totally talked myself into Le, LeBron or Kobe eras. Jordan was the last guy for I think me. We argued about LeBron, you and I, at one point. What side did I take? You were anti-LeBron. Well, but I I worked for ESPN, which meant I was allowed to change my opinion one way or the other, <laughs> depending on how it suited me. Right. I, w- I was I'm, I was anti-LeBron at first too, but now I'm I'm I think he's an amazing. Not only is he amazing, that's ball, where but, I am right now. But I think he's got the secret to to quote your was that what you to called regenerate it? his hair. No, no, not that oh. secret. That's lost. Charles Barkley said he was talking about uh, LeBron. They had a picture of him. He said God gave every gave everything to that man except her, <laughs> and he's the only one who could say that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, LeBron and Kobe, like just going to see them in person, versus when you go see Curry in person now, or when you saw Jordan in person twenty years ago, 
it's just slightly different. Like the way people react when he walks out. Like that could be me. People with the cameras taking pictures of him and just right. everybody's just watching him the whole time. And LeBron and Kobe were a lot like that, but there's an excitement. Like what 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 Curry David Robinson. Well, he Everybody, was just more a he was, specimen. He was yeah, perfect. He walked in and like, Jesus, that is, that, guy. is that a human being? Right. Am I right. a member of that species? <laughs> uh, but Curry, the thing that's been fascinating for me with him is just how he gets teams when he's on the road. These people are rooting for him and they're rooting for the home team, but yet he does stuff and people are reacting like he's on their team and then they catch themselves. And that's been the recurring theme over and over again. When he gets hot or when he pulls up from 31 or 32, Who does it's that? so fucking exciting. You're like, oh, Oh, and then you're like, oh, sorry, guys. Like, it doesn't make any sense, his yeah. range at this point. I don't I don't know how he got there. It's like when, it reminds me of when Tiger Woods. Well, it's like that. It's also drives down the fairways for six years. And we're like, Jesus, do we have to change the course and the masters? It's what also do we like do? the four minute mile. And and I think it has to do yeah. with human psychology is is once. And you see it with, with Duncan, you see it with Jordan, because a lot of people play like Jordan now. Yeah. Um, but they didn't before Jordan or Dr. J. So I think it's just human psychology. Once they broke the four minute mile, once you start seeing that this is possible, then everybody else starts to do it because it just becomes a possibility to the human psyche in that way. Or the worst case scenario, which is how I think this probably plays out. I think people try to replicate something that's not just, really replicable. They just start chucking. How many Jordan imitators <laughs> were there? I mean, you were going in those games. You were yeah. you were like a legitimate celebrity for the first time in the nineties. Right. As those games are you go in MSG, you're getting John courtside Starks. seats. John yeah. Starks. You're watching all these people just do MJ imitations. Yeah. And clear out guys, I got this. <laughs> and really he was the only one who could totally do that. Yeah. I guess Kobe was the only guy who, who came in and kind of did it afterwards. Yeah, but he I, did that. He did a poor man's imitation of it. But I was opinion. talking about like I was talking about LeBron for your your version in your book. Yeah, that, what did you call it the secret? Am I wrong or that was my thing? Yeah, right. And I feel like Le, LeBron to, got it. He did, a, he didn't start with it, but he's got it now. I think he has most of it. I think his Kobe never got it. Kobe never got it. Kobe was like LeBron got it. I understand the secret, but I'm going to try to do it this Doesn't way. Doesn't seem as interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> How about I win and you guys rebound? <laughs> LeBron, I feel like he's 92% there. There's right, this well, weird just, leadership thing with him where he doesn't, you know, like the, if... The coach firing and, and that? Let's say you're filming the... I, I, you know you know what the starting backcourt was when I rode the bench at Princeton in the early 80s? Yeah. Dave Blatt and Steve Mills. What? How do you like that? Silence. <laughs> I'm stupefied. Those are two characters in the NBA right now. Well, one... So did you stay in touch with Dave Blatt? No, but Steve... You should have. We I could know have had I all this LeBron dirt. I know I should Well, maybe one day... Like LeBron uh, just took him behind the stadium and <laughs> ran him over with his car, basically. <laughs> Steve I see at uh, at the Garden when I go. So when you you started going, when did you become celebrity gets to go, oh, when I get David Duchovny with light seats. Free tickets. Yeah, uh, oh, he's courtside next to Woody Allen. When did that happen? No, no, Woody doesn't have courtside. Woody pays for his own tickets. right. And oh, I thought he was courtside though. No, oh. no, no, no. Woody, he's in like row two. Yeah, he's he's a few oh. rows back, and Sorry, he pays. Woody. I gotta say, I mean, they probably don't want him to courtside. I don't know if they, they want him or not, but he's, he's 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 totally clean. You know, he's uh, he's got integrity. I have none. Right. I have so none. you're just taking tickets. Yes, I just take tickets. Did you call the first time, or did they offer them to you? I don't know how that worked. Uh, I really don't remember. But I was in the building when Starks dunked over Jordan. 
Oh, that was cool. You know, that was a big moment. In so NBA. God bless the Knicks fans. They've only won one title in like 70 <laughs> years. I know they, ha- they don't have a lot to grasp onto. He dunked near Jordan. No, he dunked on. Nah, Jordan. he dunked near him. Jordan was kind of he passed through. It wasn't it wasn't a dunking on. We'll have to. It wasn't like we'll Pippen have to look dunking at the on tape. Ewing. We're we'll dun- we'll have to look at the tape. Pippen dunked on Ewing and then he stood over it and like shook his <laughs> dong in front of him and stepped over him. Like that was dunking on. He actually took his dong out. <laughs> he took his dong out. He hit Ewing with it. That was before video, I guess. <laughs> so did anyone ever talk to you? When you're sitting courtside these games, did any weird um, NBA player just be like, hey, man, love the X-Files? I think Tim Hardaway made a, an obscene gesture at, at Taya when we were sitting. Ooh, like in a way you felt like... I didn't like, see it, but she said, I think he just did something like... Like, I'll see you after the game or like, just screw you? No. Like, you like know. it was like, hey, lady? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, but I didn't see it. That's, so, see, that's so, an honor. I think you'd feel honored by I, that. I didn't bother yeah, me at great. all. I was like, why, why not me? You know what's wrong with me? Let's dance. I want to talk about his crossover. You got nothing to talk to him about. Who? Taya. I'm saying. Oh you, yeah, you got yeah. nothing to talk to to that guy about. And why isn't he looking at me? I can talk about that crossover with him. So we told this story the last time, but the podcast belongs to ESPN. So let's tell it again. Right. You were the runner-up choice for White Men Can't Jump. Well, not a runner-up, but well, I, I like I was, to say that you're the runner-up now. Now that I like the, years the way passed, you tell my history. Yeah, yeah, I was so close. I, as far as I'm concerned, I was right you were the there. runner-up. I was right there. You tested for that part. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you did. I thought you did. Well, a lot of guys did, but yeah, a lot well, of white guys who could play basketball. Well, no, that was the thing. Uh, they before they would even let you act, they had to see if you could play ball at all. Yeah. And so what happened to Wesley Snipes? How did he get cast? Well, exactly. That's yeah. a, that's a good, uh, it's a all his, all his shit was in slow movie. motion. Yeah. You see the ball. Of this leaving high stuff. <laughs> Come on, Wesley. Right. So we all went down there and I forget where it was big gym somewhere. And we were playing three on threes in front of somebody who was judging us. So was this like white guy Palooza? Um, I think 70 there was, white there guys, black guys in there too. I think they were just, oh, they were fil- gotcha. I think they were just whoever wanted to audition. They were, and, and and I think they were honestly trying, they were open to finding an unknown, you know, right. white or black. For so, Billy Hoyle? Billy Hoyle had to be white. No, no, I mean for, yeah, both, oh, I for both roles. Gotcha. Uh, and Wesley was a big star at the time, so I don't know if they had already had him or they were looking for an unknown or whatever. It feels like the studio kind of... Maybe. Like, hey, but what I, about I, Wesley Snipes? I think it was actually a pretty low-budget film. Yeah. And um, so we were down there and we were, we were getting... Uh, put on these three on three games and i remember i was i was playing against an actor named billy campbell who's a big uh, athletic guy but he'd never played basketball before and he was dangerous he was like oh those he, are the worst like a rugby player yeah you thought you're gonna hurt like a good athlete but just you know playing it like rugby that's why they cast him in enough with jennifer lopez years oh, later as the abusive ex-husband yeah <laughs> they they heard about his casting yeah he, he well he, yeah. he he was strong so anyway so i was i was on a team with um Patrick Cassidy, I believe. This uh, is great. These are the, these, the name drops I've been looking for. Am I going to regret this? No, I mean, this they, is awesome. Gonna, I love this. Who else was on the this? team? I love this. Patrick I Cassidy. I don't know the other guy. <laughs> he was no, like an F-list No, this is part of the story. Dustin Diamond. Is that I don't know the other okay. guy. So it's me, Patrick Cassidy, and I don't know the other guy. So we start playing, and I don't know the other guy is just passing to Patrick Cassidy, and Patrick Cassidy is shooting. He's there freezing you out. I'm not getting the ball unless I rebound it. And then, you know, I'm a team player. I, I, I throw it to somebody else. You know and I don't, the secret. I, don't get, I, I do know the secret. Yeah. And I don't get it back. Ask Coach Burns if I know the secret. He'll yeah. tell you. 
So um, we're walking off the court, and I don't think I took a shot. And I say to, I don't know the other guy as we're leaving, um, and he's small, this guy. He doesn't seem like he would be good for any role. And uh, I said, well, uh, what are you doing here? Who are you here to read for? And he said, no, I, Patrick just brought me here to pass to him. Oh. Yeah. So Do you I'm, think that's why you didn't get the movie? Who, Patrick or me? Patrick Cassidy's buddy? Oh, no, no. I just, it, honestly, I don't think I was ready for that kind of a role yet. If I could have, if it would have been five, six years later, I mean, everything I've done in my career, I think I had to get ready for it. Like, I wasn't yeah. one of these guys that came out able to do it and i think i wasn't ready yet even if i got it, it probably would have been bad for me how many years after was california was that like two three years later just right around that time it's a creepy movie yeah it is it's a weird serial killer genre run there in the early 90s right there's uh independent films were, were kind of like natural yeah. natural born killers uh California. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Right, yeah. There's a bunch of those. <laughs> California. Yeah, it's true. Just gruesome deaths and yeah. people trying to find people. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good movie, though. It was all right. It was all right. Brad I think. Pitt. Brad and Young Juliet. Brad Pitt. Young, did you know? Yeah. Did I know? Did you know he was going to be uh, uh, well, an A-plus lister? I'd seen um, uh, Thelma and Louise, and he was just such a star. in the, Stealing I mean, scenes. Oh, just with the abs. Yeah. Right? And I was like, yeah. That that seemed like a movie star, but he was a terrific guy. And I took a date to that movie, and I I got lucky that night. And I you did? I think it was because of Brad Pitt. I don't think I did it. Was that the fourth time you lost your virginity? Yeah, it was like number seven. <laughs> <laughs> but you were the you were the last generation of. If you come along ten years later, you get thrown into a superhero movie within like three movies. They're yeah. like, oh, this Duchovny character. He seems like he's gaining some steam. Let's right. put a mask on him. Right. I could have been the Green Lantern or something like yeah, that. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, there are, are there are there any superheroes left to? Uh, oh, there's a lot. There are. Yeah. I never, as a kid, I never, I never read that. Stuff. I didn't know. Would you have done books. one if they had just been like, "Here's a giant check," and probably you have to be on a I, I probably would have been convinced by agents and managers that it was a good move to do, and that it right. would, you know, it would allow me to do the kind of work that I want to do. <laughs> one you, for you, them, you, one you, for you. <laughs> Ten for them, one for you. Right. Yeah. I like the career arc. I think it was better the way it played out. It's not out. bad. I mean, you know, I uh, sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I want more in the movies. But for the most part, like I said, honestly, I feel like I'm a, I'm a slow but deep learner. And things came to me at a, at a decent time. And if they'd come earlier, I could have really embarrassed myself. But now I feel really, I feel very good about... Um, like my craft and what it, my handle on what it is that I do. So I feel okay about it. We're going to take a quick break to talk about our buddies at Betterment. If you're Golden State, the best way to invest for the future is by signing Steph Curry to a cheap long-term deal, drafting Draymond Green in the second round, and then saying no to a Clay Thompson-Kevin Love trade, and then you build around the best shooting backcourt of all time. Now that is investing in your future. For everyone else, the best way to invest for your future is Betterment, the automated investing service that builds and automatically manages a customized portfolio for each of your financial goals. Betterment handles nearly 150,000 customers and manages close to $4 billion for people just like you. Save, your time, save yourself time and money, give yourself peace of mind, and do it for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. It's so easy to invest with Betterment. You just link your bank account and roll over your 401k or IRA and you're ready to roll. 
So get up to six months of free automated investing and more information when you go to betterment.com slash BS. Betterment, investing made better. And since we're here, let's talk about Slack. It's the unofficially official messaging app for The Ringer. Our whole staff uses it. We plan our newsletter with it. We plan our website with it. We plan our podcasting future with it. And we especially make fun of Tate with it. So Slack is a messaging app for teams. Instead of searching through hundreds of emails and texts, Slack brings all your work communication into one place and radically increases transparency between those teams. Your disjointed conversations will no longer be disjointed. And your internal emails will be cut down by almost 50%. They also have nearly 100 integrations. Integrations? Integrations! Including Dropbox, MailChimp, and Google Drive. Visit slack.com slash Bill Simmons and create a new team. You'll get $100 in credit you can use when you decide to upgrade to a paid plan. Slack.com. And thanks, Slack, for making life at the ringer a lot easier. Back to the David Duchovny interview. Sanders bought you some street cred. It did. That well, was the, like the, the premier street cred show. I don't know what yeah. the equivalent would be now, but in the in the mid late nineties, uh, Sanders was the move. Yeah, if you killed on Sanders, that was like the right. best thing you could do on TV. I don't know what the equivalent is. Well, now it's like all these like weird quirky. There's so many of them. Yeah, there's so many niche shows now. I guess Thirty Rock was a good one. A That's few a years good ago. one. Yeah, but Sanders, you know, did you ever meet Gary? I did. I yeah. actually spent a whole day with him. That's once. right. He told me that he enjoyed. I meeting took, him I went with to a boxing you match guys with him stay and Pete Berg. I and love Pete, Sanders. Pete's a good guy too. Pete's hey, a good I mean, friend. I love Shanley. I mean, I I get them confused. No, I I, I like. I <laughs> they like own a boxing sh- gym together. Did you I, know that? Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm actually uncomfortable around Shanley because that show is like my favorite show, and yeah. I, and I don't know how to be around people that like I genuinely loved. Yeah. And it's just weird to just hear them talking and just being a normal person, and I, I was just constantly. Thinking right. like, oh my God, if I had told myself that this was going to happen in 97, when right. we would have like Larry Sanders parties. Right. Well, I, I, the reason I got on Sanders was because I was in, I was in Vancouver shooting the X-Files and I was obsessed with the show. Yeah. And I would get the, the, the tapes, VHS tapes sent to me in Vancouver and I'd watch Sanders and I said to my agents, I don't care about any, I just want to, can I get on that show? I'll do anything. Yeah. And I'll even have a homoerotic crush on Larry. I don't care. <laughs> that, that was later after we <laughs> yeah. became friends. But the first time I did the show, <clears throat> I play a guy, I play myself who gets bumped by, of all people, Bill Cosby, because Cosby goes too long on the show uh, and I get bumped. I'm laying off that one. <laughs> well, it's just, it's historical record. Yeah. I have to enter it. Yeah. You know, so um, I was, I had like seven jokes, but I laid off of all of them. Yeah. I got nothing. So uh, good good (laughs) non-joke effort by both of us. Yeah. So um, it was funny because I'm I I I just turn into an I'm very nice and then I get bumped by Cosby and then I turn into an asshole and 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 that was just that episode and then Gary and I became friends and after that we were talking about what else can you do and then we came up with the man crush thing later on. Did he bite you into his basketball game? Yeah, that's when I. I, You're probably way too good to be in that basketball game. Well, there were some good players. Come Um, on. No, there were some good players. And it's it's more for the uh, it's more for the uh, it's more for the hang. It is. It was a great and and you would eat afterwards. You'd watch football. Be on a Sunday. It was a great. Th- those were great Sunday afternoons. So then, when you flashed your scrotum on the show, you never <laughs> knew that the uh, YouTube internet. Uh, oh, really? Can you see my scrotum? Oh, well, couldn't you see it for like a split I've second? Ne- Honestly, I've never really. I know what it looks like. I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to see it on video. <laughs> that would be. 
See, it's it's what such a shame. The story behind that is, and it's very showbiz, and I'm going to sound like an asshole telling it. No, but please. We were there was a Golden Globes, and I came down from Vancouver, and Tay and I were staying in the Four Seasons because I was living in Vancouver, and I invited Gary over after the uh, award ceremony. We were just hanging out, having a, some drinks, and I was in my robe because I'd come home and I got all that makeup and shit off me. Yeah, and we're just sitting around. And I said, "Wouldn't it be funny if if I came on the show and?" I had a crush on you, and I did the Sharon Sharon Stone Stone thing. And that's that's how it all started from the four seasons there. But there were two Gary stories that that I like to tell. And one is um, when I first got there, is this too long? Am I going on too long? I love this. All right. You can never go on too long about Gary (laughs) When I first got there at the show, I mean, I was kind of in awe. Like you, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching them do the talk show segment, and it was done in a basically like a talk show set with a lot of seats for an audience. And I was just sitting in the dark in the audience, no audience, but seats. And I'm watching him do his Sanders thing. And we're going to do a scene in a hallway afterwards where I get bumped and I get pissed off. And um, he comes back into the audience and he's looking at, at, at the uh, stage and he looks at me and it's clear he has no idea who I am or why I'm there. And because I, they had told me, oh, Gary loves you. He wants you on the show. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and he looks at me and I'm like, hey, nothing, right? So we go back and we go to shoot the, uh, we go to shoot the hallway scene and we shoot one take and uh, Gary cuts and he looks at me and he goes, you know, like he does, he kind of just scrutinizes yeah. me. And he goes, how old are you? And I said, 33. And he goes, what took you so long? You know, which I thought was a, ah. such a great compliment, right? So that was always my. That's how I met him. That's can like, I interrupt that's story like, number two with yeah. off a story off a of story number one? I did <laughs> a Colbert story. show in like two thousand five, yeah, and then I did it again four years later. And he he comes to intro, to meet the guests before the show. Right. He's like, "Hey, it's so nice to meet you." And I'm uh, like, "I was crestfallen." Right. It was like, "Wow, I did not leave a dent in really? that first impression." Yeah. Well. He Hopefully have, he was busy. But he should have a guy telling him. I'm still, I'm still he a little have a handler. still wounded. He should have a guy whispering. Yeah, no, you had him. You met, you met Bill. Bill. Tell him he was great. Ask about his, ask about good. his daughter's name is. Ask about, yeah. you know, it's like that one. That's what, that's what like Obama has, right? Of when course. Obama's at a cocktail party. And... The, the, I heard about it first that Don Rickles had somebody like that. Which is Don fantastic. Rickles? Yeah, which is fantastic. Well, I mean, he's been in show business for 80 years. He's still alive. He's got, he's got somebody in his ear. Hmm. All right, story number two. Uh, so Shanling. I so I take Shanling. Uh, he's in New York, and I say I got to get you to the Rucker tournament because because you're a real hoops fan, and you go. Well, to the I'm a real hoops tournament. fan. I'm a that's, New, I'm a New York guy. Yeah, I mean it's it's holy, and guys and people outside of the city don't know it really. They still don't know it. I mean, maybe they've seen some stuff now that there's so much on cable. I think there was a a show about it. Maybe there's never know. the right documentary. Not about that. No, and. Because it's a feeling there that is is nowhere else. And in fact, there was a, later on in the day there was a guy doing commentating on the court. Yeah, you know, there's a guy with a mic talking to people who are dribbling Too by loudly. name. There is a road. <laughs> what yeah. you gonna do? What you gonna do? Yeah. So and I Gary was that. like, "That's the future of commentating. So get ready. <laughs> wow, <laughs> get ready to get out there with the players. It's gonna be Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> exactly. Just wandering LeBron, on the court. LeBron go pass. <laughs> No, LeBron go shoot. Uh-oh. LeBron's <laughs> hair is melting off. So, <clears throat> excuse me. 
we get there and uh it's all it, it, it's all it's all black i mean it's all it, it it's a yeah. it's, it's a homogenous group and gary and i are you know two of maybe 10 white guys who are there and uh and patrick cassidy yeah patrick who, who oddly enough was passed to all day long <laughs> and uh this guy comes up to gary and he says gary shanley you are nonchalantly talented and to this day it's like that's the, amazing it's the nonchalantly best. talented i know i, and I always totally say to know gary, what that means i know but you do and you don't and it's like it's that's like a gravestone moment that would have been a good name for uh the website we're trying to name our website for nonchalantly we talented. went with the ringer but nonchalantly talented no, i like the I ringer i like the ringer. nonchalantly talented it's not bad that's something maybe yeah. that's like a showtime pilot nonchalantly talented nonchalantly talented it's perfect and mystical and uh undefinable i hate to do this to you but um the knicks tell aren't, that story again the knicks aren't good <laughs> The Knicks aren't good at basketball. It. No, the Knicks aren't good at basketball. They haven't been good at basketball. Love Porzingis. You like Porzingis. I like Porzingis. But then they give him, they have Derek Fisher, who's terrible. They fire him. How they can bring you tell in, if Derek Fisher's terrible? Because I, I watch Knicks games. Oh, so you watch the way they're coached? I can't yeah. tell the coach. I was like, are you are you tanking? You don't have a first round pick. Like, it would be one thing if, if like they were playing the way they played but they had their first round pick. I'd be like, oh, he's kind of an evil genius. He's you, doing you know, just enough to blow you, these games down the stretch, but they didn't have their first round pick. You're really putting me in a tough spot because... Oh, you don't want to... Yeah, you, you want tickets. the Knicks to get mad at you. Yeah. All right, so let me just say stuff and you okay. be uncomfortable. <laughs> so they haven't uh, They haven't really I, I succeeded like in 15... I like Steven a bad Nick, Nick, Nick game. 15, 16 years, not a lot of success. It's been a long I mean, time. They've had like one winning playoff it's been a long series. Time. But yeah, Porzingis shows up. I love Porzingis. They all get the Knicks fans all get mad. They're mean to him at the draft. Right now, they everyone love him. goes crazy, and now he's like the savior. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what his uh, what his limit is. I, I know what his limit is right now. It's Kurt Rambis. <laughs> Kurt Rambis. There's a story today. It's like we think Porzingis might his future might be at small forward. It's like you he's have, seven foot three. Yeah, you've literally <laughs> the way basketball is being played now. Where everyone's looking for a stretch five who can shoot threes on one end and play defense on the other end. This guy fell out of the fucking sky. He can shoot threes and he can yeah. protect the rim. This yeah. is it. You have the perfect stretch five. He's like, ah, he might be a small forward. That's a good what point. a moron. I thought that was fireable. Well, I mean, every other team in the league would literally Phil commit Jackson, a murder for him. How about Phil Jackson comparing uh, Steph Curry to who did he? Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, Chris yeah. slash Chris Jackson? Yeah. What was that? Phil's kind of, he's reached that stage. He's a bit of a hater? No, it's like that, like when you get together for a big family gathering at Thanksgiving, you have like the crazy uncle or the grandfather is like, people are just afraid of Trump. <laughs> he's speaking the truth. That's right. like the guy and everyone's like, all right, Uncle, all right. uncle Jack, that's cool. Right. That's kind of what Phil Jackson's turned into at the NBA. He, thinks he says he's... stuff, everyone's like, okay, cool, Phil Jackson. <laughs> that's great. It made no sense though, that. No. Um, it doesn't make sense that he's running a, a I don't team. know why Rambus is coaching right now. I mean, Rambus knows that he's Rambus not the coach. Rambus doesn't know. He knows he's not the coach. He doesn't want to be head coach. Well, maybe So maybe the small forward move is Rambus's way of Trying saying... Trying to get fired? No, or the other way. It's like, maybe it's such a Hail Mary if it works. I'm like, oh my God, Kurt Rambus. <laughs> nobody genius. else saw it. He's <laughs> Porzingis is a small forward. He's a, he's a guard. Yeah. He's a seven foot three guard. Why not? Play him a point guard. Have Porzingis bring the ball up. I want to see that. 
Rap how about apart. hiring Dave Blatt? How about hiring Dave Blatt to coach the Lil Knicks? Princeton? Steve Mills hires you Dave Blatt. You didn't keep in touch with him, though. That's all right. We'll, we'll get back together. I just heard from my um, the shortstop on the team today. I haven't heard from him in 30 years. It can, you know, people, people get back in touch. What made you decide to do X-Files again? Just because it was it was there and it was it just seemed like something to to try and see if we still had life left in that thing, you know. The, 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 and the me, answer is yes, right? I guess the answer is yes. Um, Why we, do you guess? Well, no, it is. I mean, it's just. I always thought we would continue to do movies uh, of X Files and and not the television show. That was always my desire and my 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 thoughts when I left the show. Right and. Um, for some reason, the second movie just soured the taste of the franchise uh, for for Fox. And you know, we talked about doing all these comic books, and and here's a a homegrown franchise a that they own. Yeah, and they they treat it like crap in a way. You know, we, we sounds we, like Grantland. Okay, well, yeah. you understand how this goes. I do. It's, it's, I deeply, deeply. It's understand. very odd. Yeah, I'm sure you were. The hardest thing to confused. do is well, the hardest thing to do is create a brand. Like when we did right. 30 for 30, right. we finished 30 for 30. Everybody liked it. It won awards. Loved it. And then they were like, okay, we're good. And we're like, but everyone, it's already in the DVR season pass and people like it and it's a brand. And if we released another one, people get excited. And they were right. like, no, 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 we're going to brand this stuff ESPN Films. And we're like, but it's a brand. People, like, right. we're releasing documentaries now and people are calling them 30 for 30s and they're not 30 for 30. Like, let's, right, we should right, run with the 30 right. for it's really hard to create a brand. Do you know how many times I've seen, is it Survive in Advance? Yes. That was a 30 for 30. That one kills me. John Hawk. It's good. a good one. Uh, Valvano. You know what else is great? Is uh, Muhammad and Larry. One of the first ones. He just died, Mazels. That's a great one. That's a great one. I like that one. That was, that was one of my favorite 30 for 30 stories because we were going around all these directors trying to convince them to be in the first batch because everybody's right, like, man. ESPN, you guys don't right. know how to do documentaries. Why right. would I do this? Right. And we hit a couple, and then we met with, uh, I always forget if it's Mazels or Mazels. I, I don't think know. it's one of those you can go either way. But, uh, but he's talking, he's like, you know, I did this documentary once with. Uh, when we were kings? Uh, no, did he was he like, when with, we were kings? before the Holmes Ali fight, and we never, we never did anything with it. I think it's in a they warehouse somewhere. And, <laughs> and uh, the people that were meeting with him from our side were like, what, warehouse? What? And, so they go and they find, and he's got all this footage he shot, documentary style of Larry Holmes and Muhammad Ali leading up to that fight. And we were like, oh my God. How about that footage of Ali trying to hit the speed bag? It's rough. There's some rough Ali footage out there. I was watching because I'm a weirdo. I was watching a, a football life with Lyle Alzado on the NFL Network. Because mm -hmm. that's what I do on a Friday night. Right. And uh, I totally forgot Ali fought him for like 10 rounds. Ali had all these fights. Fought who? He fought Lyle Alzado at Mile High Stadium. Why did he fight? Because he because Ali just he needed money he just fought all the time he, he'd fight us right now if we had ten bucks how could Alzado go because he was a Golden Gloves guy he and was? he was had forty pounds of steroids in his body and did he fight him or run from him no he fought him and punched him and he in did. the second round he was really hitting him and Ali got pissed because yeah, Ali sure. was like this Ali is an thought, exhibition. Thought it was an exhibition I was like oh boom and just started peppering him for he the did. rest of the round Alzado's like <laughs> but um. Oh wait, so X Files is a brand. Yes, so Fox has it. So you so think, it comes back. Well, for the second movie, Fox spent like thirty million dollars, nothing, and brought it out against Batman and these summer block blockbusters. So it, that's it, a mistake. 
It's a huge mistake. So if if you have your brand, you have your franchise, it's a sci-fi blockbuster type show, spend the money and and make it bigger. But they made us smaller and uh, we did it, the movie did okay, but it, it didn't do what the first one did, so it seemed to take the air out of everything. And they gave up. Yeah, they pretty much did give up. And I think what happened was with the revolution in cable television and and then kind of going over to network tv where people started seeing eight and ten and twelve episode seasons of things it became a no-brainer to go okay well why don't we why don't we do because none of us are interested in doing 20 or 24 again uh an amount of episodes is just not not doable at this stage for any of us so we thought six eight ten twelve yeah we could do that yeah so if you did a movie it would have been two hours Right, but if you, you do an eight episode show when you remove all the commercials, it's forty five times eight is <laughs> I don't know, six hours. Yeah. So basically like three, you're filming a six hour three, movie. And and honestly, when all is said and done, I d I don't know that a two hour frame is the best thing for the X Files. I, I don't th think it is either. I think it's a long you know, because the show itself has so many different tonalities that and, and it has mythology it has humor it has it can sometimes have romance it can have it be a thriller it can be sci-fi it can be paranormal it can be all these different things and you, it's hard to do all that in two hours but if you expand to eight or ten hours you can do it and you also had so the x-files what year did it start i forget 93 93 pre-internet yeah. and then as it's going along yeah. i said that i said that you know they 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 told me like to like in the third or fourth year. Oh yeah, this this thing where people are in chat rooms talking about the show, and I was like, that sounds so stupid. I had the exact my <laughs> friend Nick Aida in Boston. I went to college with. They were all in the X Files, and one time he was on some, he was in some area like a message board in there, mm -hmm. and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Like it was like he was what a waste a, of time. It's like a child pornographer or something. Right. He's like, wait, get out of there! What, what's going on? You're just talking to people who you don't know these people. What's right. happening? Right. And then it kind of took off. Right. You know what else is interesting about the X-Files? I have this, I forget where I heard this from. It's not mine, but now I steal it and I yeah. pretend it's mine. It's a great theory. Yeah. Nostalgia. Basically, it's about the 20 year mark with nostalgia. It's somewhere around there when something hits and then about 20 years later, people are ready to redo it. And the right. best example of this is the Brady Bunch movie. Remember when the Brady, first Brady Bunch movie came out? People, were, it was like literally 20 years after the Brady Bunch and everybody was like, this is great. The Brady Bunch. Ha ha ha. Now, I'm, right. oh, I can take my kids to the Brady Bunch. And, and it kind of just capitalized on that. X-Files, it's been about 20 years. So you have all the people that loved it initially. But now, like, let's say I'm 40 and I have a 14 year old kid. I can right. watch it with the 14 year old kid. Right. Now you're getting this new generation. Well, you just, people you just don't want to come, come back as farce. What's that? What's that saying? History repeats itself as right. first as you want tragedy. To be a, a modernized version of yes, it. Yes. Yeah. I, I, like the Brady Bunch came back as kind of a tongue It was making fun of it. Right, yeah. Right. So we didn't really, you know, feel you like... You were continuing it. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah. You know, we didn't feel like yet going out there but and make, you know making I mean, fun though. of it. I do. Like you're, you're, you're basically exploiting people's love for something that happened a certain yeah. time away. In, in fact, I have a similar theory in the book. Yeah. At some point when you read it. Um, you just gave it to me. I know. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't saying nah, like I when like you read it. I, it, it <laughs> I, I heard it come out that way. I didn't mean it. But uh, the the narrator of the book has the theory that the decades are actually the decades uh, after them. So the '60s is really the '70s, and the '70s is really the '80s because it takes ten years for the to decade to, to fully become itself. So, yeah, we're, we're probably 
So, so now should... we're really in the, the aughts right now is what we're really in. And I don't think we've figured out that this is, we're in the social media, immersed in the social media, but I think next decade we're going to be like, oh my God. Right. We'll people figure are, it out. People are now going to lunch with each other, but just texting each other instead of actually having a conversation. That's where we're heading, I think. Uh, well, you see your, the way your kids, your kids do it, right? How old are your kids? 17, going to be 17 in April and 14 in June. So, so the 14 is more in that whole generation. No, seventeen-year-olds definitely in that generation. I mean, she's both of them. Yeah, they don't. They don't talk on the phone really. They they just text. My daughter's do communicates uh, with her friends on text with emojis and bitmojis. I was so pleased. I got an X file so bitmoji. I got oh yeah. yeah, congratulations! It, it, was, it was a big moment in my household that I I bitmojied my daughter with my own personal X file bitmoji, and yeah. I don't know if I've ever felt prouder. It's or I don't know if she's ever felt prouder of me. I don't I don't know which. We were at the Kings game last night and they do this uh thing with emojis with the players where they I give them emojis. an emoji with three logos and they have to guess what it is. Uh-huh. So they're holding the sheet up and they're like, uh my daughter's like, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> like she just no, it's right. like this they're at this whole other level of understanding symbols and yeah. figures and how to put them together as sentences and yeah. all the parents were just sitting there confused. Yeah, my and daughter. That's my daughter's like my tech support. Yeah, I just hand her my phone and she makes it work. I don't get it. No. It scares me a little bit, but on the other hand, I'm sure we scared our parents yeah. the same way, right? Yeah, my father right. had a reel-to-reel, you know, tape recorder that he listened to Billie Holiday on, you know, and then I had uh, I had a record player, and then I had cassettes, and then I had CDs, and whatever. It just changes. I think it. The human experience, I don't think human nature changes. We just, our tools change a little bit. So I, I think it appears scarier than it really is. You know, there are all these studies about what it does to your brain. I don't know. What was the best under 25, um, either critique or compliment or whatever you heard about the X-Files? As under it 25? hit this new generation. Oh, I kind of stay away from reading. I did, just, I just, I just Google. You did know. you feel like it regenerated the uh, interest in the alien and what the hell is that? I feel like it stuff? did a little bit. I, th- yeah. I, I feel like uh, uh, the the kids like like that. Um, but I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really seek that stuff out. So I don't. I don't know. So you avoid all that stuff. I I, I avoid it when I can. Yeah, I avoid it as much as I can. I haven't read reviews for probably fifteen, twenty years. Really? Yeah. You just avoid everything. Mm-hmm. It's an yeah. impressive discipline. It is. It is. It's hard because, you know, this. you'll always get like your friend who says, I don't care what the New York Times says. You're like, what did they say? <laughs> <laughs> your buddy from uh, Californication. Evan? Your, your sidekick. Evan Handler. Yeah. Love Evan. He is in the OJ movie or the OJ miniseries right. as Alan Dershowitz. Is he? With a, I miss the OJ with thing. a perm afro. I hear it's good. Oh, you're missing out. Should I should I watch it? Should I should I binge watch it? Yes, I'll binge watch it. Yes, you okay. should absolutely. How binge many episodes watch it. are there? Uh, I think we're through six. Travolta plays Shapiro. That's good. I love Travolta. Malcolm I think he's Jamal a great Warner actor. is AC Cowlings. Is he really? Rod Tidwell is OJ. Who is? Rod Tidwell, Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's like. I don't uh, know that actor. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of them. Courtney Vance is Johnny Cochran. I hear he's great. He's yeah. great. Yeah. There's actually, I think they're probably somebody's, I think the Sarah Paulson plays Marsha Clark. I think she's actually going to win the 
Emmy for something. Sarah Paulson's a terrific actress. Really good. Yeah. Good in uh, Studio 60, which I still have a lot yes. of regrets about. Yes. Yes. I still think uh, that Amanda show Pete. could have made it. Amanda Pete. Yeah. That was my. That was Matthew Perry's. Yes. Kind of his moment to yeah. branch out from Friends with this yeah. awesome. And he was like, it was a career year for him. It just didn't work out. Yeah. Well, the show just didn't I don't know why it. it didn't. I know why. Because he tried. Sorkin tried to write the sketches. Oh. Yeah. And then Thirty Rock happened at the same time, right? Yeah, and that didn't help either. Right, so you yeah. couldn't have two shows. About no, that somebody side. had to win. There could only be one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we talk about how your theory about how uh, older women like my mom love Californication? Yeah, how old is your mom? For reason. My mom is, uh, I'm just going to say it. I don't care if she gets yeah. mad at me. My mom is 67. All right, well, that's perfect. Um, what, what? And and th this is no good will come to me from this discussion. Yeah, no, this is a theory. You're not supporting it. I'm just, I have been approached by women of that age who say it's refreshing to see men, a man behave that way unapologetically. That's all. That's all I'll say. I mean, it's just anecdotal. It's happened a few times, a few times on the street in New York. You felt like that was a base of that show. Were older women in their fifties and sixties that Hank Moody responded or? Oh God, Hank. no, no, I don't. I, I don't. Oh, so I, I'm not, I, I, went I don't. Too far. I don't think there's actually any any truth to the fact that we have a demographic in that age group. Well, that would make me but feel I'm better saying, if there was with my mom. No? I'm just saying anecdotally, it's happened a few Couldn't times. Couldn't you have lied? <clears throat> I'll. I, you know what? I'll call Showtime and I'll say, "Show me the graph." <laughs> my mom loved that show. And I was always like, that's I don't a, know. That's a little disturbing. Yeah, it might be. Her favorite movie is Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Which okay, also well, does. this is about your mom, really. Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Did that show go on the right amount of time, one yes. year too long, or one yeah. year too early? Uh, you know, everything goes on too long, but it was the right amount of time. At the same time, if I can answer both. Um, you never know. I mean, with, with a show like that, it's like every year you could, you could find your mojo. You know, it, it just depends on... Every year was a, a different milieu that the guy was in. So, like, does it work in the rock and roll world? Does it work when he's a TV writer? You just never know what's gonna what's gonna really work for that. What's your favorite thing you've done? <sighs> um, I mean, sentimentally, I don't think I was ever happier than when I was writing, directing a movie called House of Deeds, the one movie that I've written and directed. And I just think, like, uh, on on all levels, like spiritually, soulfully, creatively, I was involved. Uh, so, you know, regardless of the end product or whether or not you like it or hate it or whatever, uh, personally, the act of doing it was probably the most fulfilling I've had as a, as a creative professional. So what's next? Your book uh, comes out? Book comes out. Um, I'm actually, I, I, I made some music last year. I'm going to tour Europe with it. I have an album. What? I, didn't, I should have brought you that. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started playing music just recently, like four or five years ago, and then I started writing songs, and I, I, I recorded an album. It sounds like a terrible, terrible idea. I, I, I realize that, and as you're sitting there, I can see it on your face. No, I'm, I just, but, I, I, but it's I'm not, more confused. I didn't know you played music. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. It's it's new. It's new. I'm, I'm a bad guitar player, but I'm good enough to put chords together and... and and find melodies and, and I write lyrics and I'm, I, make... I would have reacted the same if you had said you know on the side I'd, I'm working on some nuclear fusion <laughs> I'd be like what? <laughs> I know so I, I'll give you a little tour of Europe uh, the album's been out almost a year you know it's like it's not the kind of music that, that people 
it's like 70s rock it's like the rock that you probably you you might even like it i'll send you i'll send you a cd i was devastated when sirius got rid of the yacht rock channel yacht rock what is yacht yacht rock? Rock tell, channel. Me, tell me what yacht rock is and i'll tell you whether i fit in there okay um yacht rock was a very happy don't say jimmy buffett no jimmy buffett was his own thing now this is more like the eagles take it easy through christopher cross doobie brothers mm-hmm to me, Michael McDonald is the face Ooh. of Yacht Rock. Okay, it's not quite Yacht Rock. Okay. I would say it's it's more like Wilco, uh, Petty, maybe Lou Reed, a little Lou Reedy, if I'm lucky. You'll, you'll I don't judge. Know what, I don't know what I would call that. You'll judge. Chevy uh, Rock? Chevy Rock. Uh, Lou Reedy? Lou Reedy. It's Lou Reed got dark. Yeah, there's some darkness to it. I mean, it's not it's not happy music. So you're touring Europe? Lyrically. Like, what parts of Europe? Um... Glasgow, London, Paris, Madrid. So you're really doing this. Uh, Zurich. Places I've never been. You continue to fascinate me. Gonna you're do, always up to stuff. Yeah, I'm going to do 10 dates in 14 days. It's going to be a whirlwind. And the, and the rooms are, you know, like 1,500, 2,000 people. They're not, they're not tiny. Wow. So, and I've done about 10, 15 concerts. And it's, it's, it's fun. I find it interesting. And Maybe. X-Files is happening again? It might. It has to, right? It did well. Anytime something does well, to. they bring it back. Yeah, they will. They will. Yeah. I, you I, should pretend you're not going to do it again. <laughs> As your unofficial agent, like, nah, just you know, pretend. we did it. Uh, I can't imagine. It why just depends we do it on again. scheduling with with Jillian. She lives in London, and Chris Carter, whether or not he wants to to do it again, you know, because he's got the lion's share of the work. He he writes most of them, and he's been directing them. That's a lot more work. I just directed an Aquarius that we're we're shooting just we forgot in, to talk in your about neighborhood. Aquarius. In your My neighborhood. mom watches that show too. She's all in have on you, the Have covenant. you thought maybe she's just a fan of me? Oh, I haven't thought it. I know it. Okay. Well, then maybe she doesn't really like California Cage, but she watches it because because I'm in it a little bit. I don't know. No, I think it's both. Um, Aquarius is a time she remembers. It's nice. It's the '60s. So we're Manson. Ju- yeah, we're just finishing the second season uh, in the next couple of weeks. How many seasons does 13. that go? How many seasons? It could go five. Uh, I mean, five is like the vision for the series. I don't yeah. know if we're gonna get if we're gonna get to go five, but five five would be the sh- the show. What lasts longer, Aquarius or uh, the Knicks in the lottery? What do you mean by the Knicks in the lottery? I mean, when do the Knicks make the playoffs again? Oh, when are the when are the, when are you going to a Knicks playoff game? Mm. Oh wow, this long pause is not good for the Knicks. It's really not. See, I don't want to just go to the playoffs. I want to. I want to rebuild. So, you want to go. You want to go backwards again. You have your next two first rounders. When when does that happen? Seventeen and eighteen. <laughs> you have those. Who did we give up this year for? You should have traded Carmelo. That was the move. You should have traded him this year, and gotten a lottery pick for Where him. Where would Carmelo go? Anywhere. By the time you think you're Cle- good you again, think LeBron he's would have taken Carmelo. Cleveland? I actually think the Celtics would have made a lot of sense. I'm not just saying that because that's my team. Because the Celtics have all these picks and they wanted to be good and they were ready to actually overpay to get a guy. Right. And that's the perfect team to trade with. You want to trade with somebody that's doing something for not necessarily a smart. Cleveland reason. took Jr. Can you explain to me the shoelace incident? I can't explain anything with Jr. Smith, but I can explain this. I just can't see him winning a title. You think he'll just do something yeah, to get in the way? Yeah, I just think he's like a stick of dynamite. That's he just is. it's just what an athlete, though, huh? What an athlete! Yeah, 
He's just these guys that always get in incidents and have weird things happen. And the shoelace thing—it was stupid. I I didn't get it. I just didn't know. What I didn't he get was, anything with him. I didn't know what he was doing. You asked if I had any experiences with uh, players when I when I watched the Lakers. <clears throat> All right, there's two 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 stories. Sure. Okay. Uh, one is about me. Uh, the first one is. Um, I didn't have a great experience playing at Princeton. Like I, I came out of high school, all I wanted to do was play ball. I, I knew I wasn't going to be a pro at that point, but I, I did want to play in college, and it didn't work out for me the way I wanted it to. Fucking Blatt. It was Blatt and Mills. It's Blatt's fault. And uh, it was always like a heartbreak for me. Yeah, it still is. You know, it's just uh, it's something I missed. And so, the Kings, Sacramento Kings, were playing the Lakers, and I think two thousand. When they had Weber and Vlade, and they were great. They were better than the Lakers. Yeah. And um, I knew a little bit the Maloofs who owned the team. I don't know if they own it anymore. They do not. And Pete Carrill was the assistant coach. Who yes. was the legendary coach of Princeton when I was there. Hall of Fame. Yeah. And um, I was like, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Coach Carrill. And just, I'm going to, you know, I'd love to just shake his hand and say hi. And... Um, I went up to the Maloofs and I said, after the game, do you think maybe I could say hi to Coach Carrill? And they said, sure, sure, we'll tell him. And then I don't know if you remember this game, but it, the the Kings should have won. They had the game. That was the whole series. The was fourth this the quarter, shot? Kobe went to the line. No, it was the game before that. Oh, the, the game six? The refs sent Kobe to the line. Oh, the, that, this was the famous game you're talking about. Game six. It was six. a total job. Yeah, yeah. Game six. Uh, it, it Legendary was, game. It was... I remember where I watched that game. It, it was, was horrifying. so shady. Yeah. It was horrifying. It was the league basically saying, we're sending the Lakers to the finals. Exactly. Yeah. And the Kings were good. They had Kings Bibby, were better. They, had, they were better. Yeah. Because so, game four, they had lost on the Miracle Robert Horace shot. Right. And then this game was basically called in by Vince McMahon. It was like McMahon. when the league gave Wade the championship against... Uh, oh, yeah. You know, they just sent Big him to the line. Big fat ribbon on it. They yeah. just sent him to the line. Yeah. Anytime he goes to basket, call foul. Right. So, th I'm glad we cleared this up. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So, they give they give the Lakers that game. And I went to the Maloofs and I said, I understand if coach doesn't want to... That was horrible. Yeah. I said, I... I I really feel bad about that game. I, yeah. I if he doesn't want to talk, and and they said no, no. We told him he'd love to see you. <clears throat> so I wait in that you know that archway that they always shoot in movies. You know when you're going out to the yeah, the court, yeah. right like that dramatic. <laughs> and I see this figure waddling at me, and he's tiny and and round, Coach Carrill, and he's he's a, he always kind of shuffles. He always got a cigar, and uh, he gets within about twenty feet of me. And he goes, aren't you glad I cut you? <laughs> and I was like, and he's still walking towards me. And I'm like, well, I think I quit to play baseball. But no, he says, no, I cut you. I, like, <laughs> I, like, I was like, no, coach, I think I quit. He goes, that doesn't matter. You're doing so well. Look at you. You're doing great. I was like, yeah, how are you? It's nice to see you. So what a weird opener. It was great. It was so Coach Carrill. It was so perfect, and it kind of summed up my entire basketball experience at Princeton. What was the second story? I was just happy he remembered me. Um, one one uh, game, they were playing the tra the Blazers and uh, Sabonis years, and yeah. and uh, they were blown. They blew them out. So in the fourth quarter, Glenn Fry, who was sitting next to me, rest in peace, got up to go. So now I wasn't with him. We were just sitting together. 
And then, um, did you say take it easy? To him I did no? not. No, okay. <laughs> I did not. And uh, so I've got an empty seat courtside. <clears throat> and um, earlier in the game, the ball boy had come up to me because I'd made eye contact with Shaq. You know, and you know how it is. Well, when you're commentating, it was different because you couldn't really be a fan. I oh, know. I, I, I probably tried to still be a fan. A but like too when, much. when, like you know, I would, I would sit, I'd sit and you know, kind of try to make eye contact with players that I like if I can, just yeah. to, just to see if they recognize me. And like it, you know, when I met Frazier, Walt Frazier, that was huge for me. Like he had no idea who I was. That's fine, but I got to meet him. He's like, I love the Z files. <laughs> he, he 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 tried to rhyme my name and it didn't work. Did, so, yeah. Yeah. so I was hooping and swooping. So uh, <laughs> um, so the ball boy, I I, I said uh, the ball boy comes up to me like in the middle of first quarter and he says, Shaq wants to know if you're going to do any more X Files because I had left the show at that point during the game. Yeah, and and I said. Uh, I don't know, but tell Shaq, because Shaq wants you to know he doesn't watch the show if you're not on it. So I said, tell Shaq I don't watch the Lakers when he's injured. So he goes there, and I see Shaq laugh, and I'm like, yeah, it's happening. It's on me and Shaq. So the game goes on. Glenn Fry leaves, and they take Shaq out. Eight minutes to go. I mean, it's a blowout. And Shaq, instead of going to the bench, sits in Glenn Fry's seat next to me. And every, his whole stadium is laughing. And, you know, I feel kind of like the butt of a joke, but it's okay. <clears throat> I also am very self-conscious about being, I felt tiny yeah. next to him. I, I You're had like no tattoo in Fantasy Island next yeah, to him. I did. Yeah. I felt like less than a man all of a sudden. Yeah. And I just, I was trying to sit up straight. And I have a great picture from the LA Times the next day of he and I sitting together. So then we kind of spent the last four minutes of the quarter just uh, hanging out and talking. This yeah. must have been after Shaq won three titles that they let him sit in the crowd. Well, that's he, when he was like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do weird stuff, like sit next to yeah. celebrities in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? I'm sure you're showing all the time on the Jumbotron mm -hmm. video screen, whatever it's called. Very and hard. They, it's a hard moment. Let me, let and me they keep it on for let me out four seconds moment. too long. Let me out the moment. Yeah, please. I'll, I'll give you my thought process. <clears throat> First of all, they come to you and they ask, can we put you on? I'm getting the free tickets. I want to say no. I don't want to be on the Jumbotron, but right. I feel like I should. It's only right. Right? I mean, I'd really be an asshole to say, yes, I'll take the free ticket, but no, you can't put me on the Jumbotron. Right. Agreed? Agreed. Have to. You have to put in the time. I think so. They hooked you up. Now, they come to you a couple minutes before and they say, next commercial, you know, you're going to you're gonna go on. And now I start to sweat and I'm like... And, and Do I have I'm, kale in my I'm teeth? Thinking, I'm, I'm doing my hair. But my biggest fear is that, <clears throat> well, first of all, I am listening to the applause that the other people up on the Jumbotron. Oh, so you're comp your am, applause competitive. Yeah, how, how do you not? Yeah. How do you not? I, I don't want to, and I act like I'm talking when it's happening, but I'm really listening. And I'm just, I just don't want to get booed, you know, basically. And I don't know why they would boo me. Yeah, because you're a Knicks fan. They're not, well, no, no, I I'm, talk, a I'm talking about game. in New York. Yeah. <clears throat> now, they don't know me as a Knicks fan in, in, in L.A. It's just... I just have this... Well, why would you get booed in New York? It's just me. I'm just thinking like, I just don't want to get... I just don't want them to laugh or boo. It's just like a primal uh, thing. Okay. It's like... I just thought you had bought enough just cachet total with the Knicks fans. Or just total silence fun. would be the worst. Right. So I just... That's all I'm thinking. It's like, 
please don't let the booze outweigh the cheers or the laughter outweigh both of those things and let there not be silence and and it does go on for too long and what are you supposed to do are you supposed to you wave or you go you give them the thumbs up or you like I like it in fights, you know, where they, they the want to box. The boxers just do this. Want, the boxers have the best out for all of this. Any picture, anything, they just do. But but fans, they're like yeah. they feel like they gotta like throw punches at the camera. What am, what are you supposed to do at a ball game? And then you're like looking at yourself, and that always looks bad. It's never good. It's it's a lose lose. But you can gotta, I tell you what you got to pay the dues. So Jay Z is the is the best I've ever seen at this. At it, what does he do? So Jay-Z will be courtside for like a Clippers game with Beyonce, right? So first of all, he pretends complete surprise that he's on, even he though does? the cameraman's been there. It's, it's like, and then he laughs. And, and it, makes, it makes him happy that he's he on? He laughs hysterically. Right. He looks over to who he's with, has another laugh, looks back up, laughs again, and then it's over. Wow. And if the camera's still on him, he's just makes it uncomfortable for the day basically like i'm done with this oh really stop laughing yeah it's just done he's like back he's like oh i'm probably not on camera anymore even though he knows he is and they just have to turn because then it's just like you're being weird putting a camera on somebody who's not looking okay that's good but you know know who's actually the best who dustin hoffman really what does he do he always does the kiss cam smart and he always does it with the person who's not his wife like next to him or he's always got a plan. And I saw him do it once with Jason Bateman. The Kiss Cam comedian. Yeah, he's great. And he did it once. Uh, they came to, you know, they, they did the Kiss Me, right? Yeah. And he had a Kobe mask on and he kissed, or he kissed somebody wearing Kobe a Kobe mask. Kobe mask is dangerous. That, that could go in a lot of bad directions. <laughs> well, Dustin is the best. At, at the, he, he dominates the Kiss Cam in L.A. That's he great. Dominates. At the Kings games. And he, and he works at, you know, he's always got a thing. He never comes unprepared. He's like Louis C.K. He does a fresh, <laughs> fresh hour of, comedy, of comedy every year. It's impressive. At the LA Kings game, they show these two old people at the end of every Kiss Cam thing who just make out. I, I, and they've got to be a combined 180 years old, and I, the crowd goes crazy. I know people like to hate on the Kiss Cam, but I... Kiss Cam's phenomenal. I have it's great. wept during the Kiss Cam. <laughs> really? I, 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 tears I, of joy or, te- or actual yeah, tears? I feel it's beautiful. I like to see, you know, I think it's like... I like the song. The song is nice. And uh, I just like, you know, I, sometimes you see like an old couple and they'll just kiss and you just feel like their love and their, their longevity. And it's like, I, I do. I like the kiss cam. I don't know why it belongs in a sporting event. but I've always thought it should I be think. when ABC, you know, they'll have a show and they'll get canceled after two episodes <laughs> and then they don't know what to do and they just replay Scandal. I think they should just run the kiss cam for an hour. I think it would work. I the kiss cam does something to people when they see it. They just they just watch this and they yeah. Like if you had, look around when the kiss cam's they, happening, they everyone is watching it. They're more interested yeah. in the kiss cam than the game. So there's some sort of something there. There's something about the kiss cam. And there's a couple kiss cam gimmicks that always work, like putting the wrong two people in the shot, and then you go over. and then they, they go over. <laughs> oh no, that's the one. Or putting right. the two guys next right. to each other always kills. So my daughter, every time they do the kiss cam, she. Literally, do they gets, do it in every arena, everywhere? Everywhere, they do. The kiss cam is, yeah, it's 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 guaranteed. Right. She she hides. Oh, she hides. Just she hides under the seat That's because <laughs> she doesn't want to be on the kiss cam I don't with blame me, her. which hurts my feelings. No, it shouldn't. But I, well, one time she's gonna. I, if I go with you, I won't hide. Let's. Thank just, you. I yeah. appreciate that. No, it's like it's just standard. She just hides behind the seat, and it's like yeah. when she's like twenty three, is she still gonna be doing this? Like this. When is the sense? She won't be with you when she's 23. That's true. I have her for like another year, right? How much longer do I have? She turns 11 in six weeks. 
three or Another four year? years. Yeah, you got a couple years. I got a couple years? Yeah, I think so. Oh, it depends. That's great. Depends on puberty and all that, you know? It's it you know, it's a it's a different call. She's like, she's probably my best friend. I'm just she's gonna be gone yeah, in a year. I know, but she'll, she'll it's really always, sad. She'll, I feel is. like she's going off to war or something. Really, she's just going off she's to menstruation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's just gone. Well, it is sad, but it's beautiful and it's right. It's the way things are. I think it's just sad. I don't see the beautiful part at all. Well, you once she leaves you, which she will, you will probably cry at the kiss camp. It's probably that's probably what it is. I'll miss it's seeing her duck in the seat. There would just be nobody. It's next a beautiful to story. I'm, I I would miss that too. I would miss that. When I interviewed Obama for GQ, yeah. I talked about his daughters with them. And he actually got like a tiny bit emotional talking about like yeah. how he's lost his daughters and he's not cool to them anymore. Yeah. And yeah. he's been told they come back eventually. And I'm thinking like, he's the president. Yeah. Right. And even his daughters don't think he's cool. Right. So I know it's going to happen to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely not as cool as the POTUS. And, the, and his no. daughters ditched him. Yeah, it's sad. I think if she ditches me, I might just adopt like another eight year old. You know, like in in TV sitcoms that lasted too long when somebody right. joins the cast. You that can may cast be your life like somebody a TV with like show. curly hair. Yeah, yeah. be like, oh, yeah. she's been added to the cast this year. Like, oh, watch it. You're not going to the Kings game anymore. Here's our new cast member. So, eight year old. Yeah. Do you just have the one daughter? And and a son. How old is he? He's eight. He's gonna live at home till he's like thirty eight. So I'm good with him. Yeah, boys are not. He wants smart. to be a professional wrestler. Smart. No, they're really stupid. No, they're stupid human beings. Uh, but you'll have him, so don't worry about it. I'm gonna it. have him forever. I'm gonna be supporting him. Yeah, he's gonna be in college for seven years. I basically have Jimmy Buss as my son. <laughs> He'll be running the Lakers someday. <laughs> he's gonna do something. Uh -huh. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll uh -huh. be something. All right, we yeah. should go because it's. It, right. it, we need the air conditioning. It's getting about to pass it's out. It's getting hot in here. Uh, your new book is called Bucky Fucking Dent. Yeah, it's out already, right? No, April fifth. April fifth. Opening day. Opening day. Smart. Are you doing publicity for it? You're I will. Do the usual I'll do, radio. I'll do some talk shows, some radio. Uh, I'm not, uh, nothing up at Fenway. I'd like to do something at Fenway eventually, but nothing. nothing no, be careful at Fenway. Yeah. Well, just Bucky Dent. It's still it's still a sore subject. Really? Even after three, yeah. You guys are bad winners. Yeah. Yes. yes. We've won like ten, we've won True. like nine titles in the Flip last through fourteen that, there's years. Some, there's some uh, standing standing it. legends. Really? Well, I I chart the progression of the of the comeback and then the. Is this you, book going to hurt my feelings? No, I think okay. I think it'll make you cry. I think it might well, make that, you cry. That won't be hard. The subject usually. But it's me. not really a baseball book. But I think it's it's fathers and sons, and it's uh, oh. it's really a love story. It's it, baseball is just used as a backdrop. Okay. It's it's not a, it's not about baseball. What's your favorite baseball movie ever? Uh, Field of Dreams, I guess. Is that that's that's too obvious? It's a great one. What's yours? I don't know. I battle on this. Yeah. Uh, Bull Durham. I watched The Natural the other day. Even though Redford's about twelve years too old to be in the movie. Yeah. And uh, it's got some great scenes. I yeah. love when he comes back for the last game and and uh, the guy's shaving. Yeah. And Redford comes in and he's like, my dad wanted me to be a baseball player. And the guy turns around and he's like, we are the best damn one I ever saw. <laughs> the best hitter I ever seen. Suit up. I right. just, I always, I'm always like, if I'm near that part, I'm going to wait till we get to that part of the movie. Do you do that with Cable? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm 15 minutes I, from I, this I scene. I'm going to wait it out. And yeah, yeah, I always got to see Pesci get it in the in the sand pit field of dreams i saw in college and just bought it hook line and sinker but now yeah. that i'm a more cynical person there's that one part of me like all right mm -hmm. like come on bull durham no field of dreams how about bull durham you like it yeah it might be a rom-com though 
It is a rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, why it can't be the best baseball movie. movie. Well, what else? I also think For Love of the Game is underrated. Oh. If you took out all I'm, the rom-com scenes and just right. made it the baseball movie, it's awesome. I'm not sure I, I, I ever, think should actually ever happen. sat with that enough. Oh, you should sit with that one. Some good costume. That could be like Thomas Jefferson's Bible, where he edited out only Jesus's words. You could you could have like your version of For the Love of the Game, where you edit out. I've always been pushing for this. Where you edit out all, is it Rene Russo? No, Kelly Preston. Kelly Preston. It's a lot of Kelly Preston. Yeah, so you, you can Just make your own version. Just force feeding her in. It was like, they were like, it'll be a baseball movie for the guys, and then we'll have this thing for the woman, and exactly. they'll both like it. It was exactly. like that kind of thinking. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's a baseball movie. What about the old time? Fear Strikes Out? No, too far back. I think the oldest... Too weird. The farthest... Yeah, too weird, too. The furthest I'd go back is the But you must news. be a big Jimmy Pearsall guy. I mean, that's an interesting story. He's a maniac. Yeah. Bad News Bears and Breaking Training is probably the furthest I'd go back. Uh-huh. You like that movie, right? You know that movie? Mm, is that the sequel to Bad News Bears? It's the Bears? sequel, and they're like about 14 years old now, but the guy who plays Kelly Leak is like 30. Uh-huh. And... uh and they have to steal a van to drive from California to Houston to play in the Astrodome. <laughs> so Kelly Leak, they steal, they steal a van, and Kelly Leak drives the van from California to Houston. All right. And chicanery ensues. <laughs> it's good. And then they play in the Bingo Astrodome. Bingo Long's Traveling All-Stars. Another great one. A lot of, lot of famous people in that one. Richard Pryor. Yeah, they say that's a movie you could remake every 20 years, mm-hmm. just with, different, with a different young cast. Hate to plug myself, but did you ever see the baseball episode of the X Files that I did? No. You need to see that. You might really. It's called the Unnatural. The is it really? Yeah. 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 Are you making this up? No. Mm-mm. Did you play baseball in it? Mm. There's a famously rom-comish scene at the end where I teach Scully how to hit. Oh, like yeah. a sexual attention sports kind of. Well, I say things like hips before hands, and you know. Nice piece of ash you got there. That's a nice ash. Things like that. Mm. TV. 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 Network TV. Baseball sexual. Network TV flirting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> David Duchovny, pleasure as always. My pleasure. Uh, good luck with the Knicks. Good luck with the book. Thank you. Thanks to Betterment, the automated investing service that builds and automatically manages a customized portfolio for each of your financial goals. Save yourself time and money. Give yourself peace of mind. Do it for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. Get up to six months of free automated investing and more information when you go to betterment.com slash BS. And also thanks to HBO Now. You don't need cable or satellite to watch HBO. Download the HBO Now app and start a free one-month trial today. Thanks to SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the BS Podcast and Channel 33. And thanks to TheRinger.com. A quick reminder, go to TheRinger.com. Subscribe to our new newsletter. We're closing in on 175,000 subscribers. And and since we're talking about good things, our pro, our podcast network is also heating up. We've had a very successful Channel 33 podcast. We just launched the Shack House Golf Podcast. We have a little political podcast going with John Favreau and Dan Pfeiffer. We're launching an NFL podcast in April. We're launching a Game of Thrones podcast next month. We have a tech podcast coming and a pro wrestling podcast coming we want to have 12 to 15 podcasts going by this summer so here's my point if you ever wanted to be a presenting sponsor for any of those podcasts or for any content from the ringer in general you should contact us soon because those presenting sponsor spots are filling up we love our sponsors and we are very picky so contact us or go to the ringer.com to sign up for a newsletter and get ready for more announcements soon 
about more writing hires. Enjoy the weekend. You may now flip. We about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. The picture me rolling.